guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica. And guys, we are back. New week, new topic, new guest every single week. And this week, we have a very special episode. We have two returning guests here with us today. And I'm just going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves to you guys. I'm Loretto. Uh, happy to be here. I uh, had a great time last time, Lonnie. Thanks for bringing me back. Mm-hmm. Proud co-host of the Geekly Goods Roundup that I host with this fellow. Hey, hey, thank you for having me back, Monty. It's awesome to be back. And we talked some Black Mirror last time. Uh-huh. Listen, after we talked about that, I went down a rabbit hole episode. So, <laughs> But thank you for having me back on. It's awesome. Um, founder of Geekly Goods, the YouTube channel. If you're over on Geekly Goods, type in Geekly Goods on YouTube. You'll see a logo with me and two Gs. Come on over, y'all. We'll talk some geek. Can't wait to chat with y'all about Christmas movies. Yes. More movies that remind us about Christmas, but aren't quite Christmas movies. So can't wait to chat about it. Yes, guys, just like uh, Leah said, we're going to be talking about movies that we have deemed Christmas movies that are not exactly seen as Christmas movies. Because a lot of times when you think of Christmas movies, you think of like Elf, you think of Home Alone, you think of White Christmas and Christmas Carol and all those classics. But there are certain movies that you watch around Christmas time that I feel like fall into the category of Christmas movies. (laughs) movies even though you may not agree with us we're going to go ahead and defend our stance on this pod but before we get into that we're going to get into some trending news some uh new releases we're going to talk about some entertainment news in our first segment called media mania and the first thing i wanted to dive into today because you guys do uh, like you said, the Geekly Roundup. And guys, they're live every single Sunday at 9 p.m. on YouTube. The link will be down below in the description. So go ahead and check them out. And there is one piece of news that I saw on Twitter last week. And I was kind of interested to get your take on it because I'm not really sure how I feel about it. To me, I feel like it's kind of a good thing, but maybe not. Um, but recently it was announced that the Loki series creator, Michael Waldron, will write the screenplay for Avengers The Kang Dynasty as well as its follow-up film, Secret Wars. And this news was um, announced on Deadline that this was going to happen. So I found this really interesting um, that he was the person announced for it. There are some people, I just saw, actually saw a lot of people who were like, kind of like, why? Why this guy? So I wanted to get your guys' opinion and your take on it to see like, what you thought of this news. Well, certainly a better person than Jeff Loveness, who was originally going to write King Dynasty and was attached to Quantumania, has written Rick and Morty. I think that 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 style of writing has its time and place. I don't think it would have fit with King Dynasty and with Secret Wars. So I think that change, first off, was a good change. I think I love that we're getting the creator of Loki because I do think people's hands, uh, whoever, people who worked on Loki should be working on this stuff. They honestly should be the forefront of the MCU. But I'm talking to people who wrote Loki. <laughs> Mr. Waldron created it, but okay. didn't quite write the show. Mm. So it's a little kind of a mixed bag because I would have loved to hear that the duo behind writing Loki were the two to be writing on Kang Dynasty and then Secret Wars. That would have been awesome. I don't know about Mike Waldron, <laughs> but you know what? I think I will absolutely take him over uh, Jeff Loveness. I'm stuck. Y'all can go ahead and pull anybody in. Because <laughs> I'm sorry, listen, Quantumania just wasn't it for me. Yeah. But I, I like, I, I'm happy with anybody other than Loveness. Just going to put that out there. I actually didn't watch Quantumania, but from what everyone said, 
Like, from all the reviews, I was kind of like, mm, maybe I'll skip this one. That would be a good one to skip. <laughs> but yeah, it does yeah, introduce you to Kang. So, it, I don't know. That. <laughs> so, uh, Michael Waldron also wrote Multiverse of Madness, uh, <laughs> Doctor Strange's uh, second film. And I know some people didn't love it. I had a blast. I mean, largely part because of Sam Raimi's presence. Mm -hmm. But I didn't mind what Michael Waldron presented to us in... Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. I thought it traveled through the multiverse well. And, you know, being the showrunner of Loki, at least having some kind of, like, creative input there, even though he didn't write every single episode, I think it's a benefit, especially because Loki introduced Kang to us all within its own show, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I know that when Kang Dynasty was first announced... It was going to be Dustin Daniel Credin, and I was actually really excited that he was going to be the director because he directed Short Term 12, which is a film that like Brie Larson, Lakeith Stanfield, and many other people were in, and I love that movie. And he was also the director of Shang-Chi, and he's still going to direct Shang-Chi 2. It's just that he left the film um, King Dynasty to focus on his other Marvel projects, which I can understand. I could get, because having to direct three Marvel movies is a lot. Having to direct one Marvel movie is a lot. It takes a lot of work. So I can understand that. Um, I feel like I can't really say anything to how King Dynasty is going to look or how the movie is going to be because Marvel is still trying to like rearrange the storyline around Kang due to Jonathan Major's like legal troubles. So there may be a creative overhaul of the storyline surrounding Kang or they'll recast him which i think they should do because like i feel like with the variants um that be introduced into the mcu that gives them space to like recast him and if they do recast him i would like to say uh yaya Ab abdul manteen should be cast as kang that's my pick okay or maybe someone else um the guy who plays i Nick would love that pick if i'm being honest <laughs> um he did get cast as Wonder Man. So, it, it, listen, I would be totally okay with them jumping that off to get him there. If that's where they want to go, I'm down. Wait, Wonder Man, is that a Marvel property or a DC? Yeah, <laughs> Wonder Man is a Marvel character. A very small, kind of obscure Marvel character where apparently they've got the TV series lined up for it. Wait, what? I, wait a minute. When was that announced? Yeah. Wonder <laughs> Man? I, I, I think that was announced... Earlier this year or like late next year or late last year, but yeah, it's okay. I'll say I, I don't remember hearing about that. Okay. Yes, some some it's in the pipeline apparently, but some people say it's canceled. Who knows? That's another problem with all these like Marvel projects is that they've announced them at a certain time and now that we're like past like the strike and all these other issues, it's like, are these pro projects happening? Are you gonna see them soon? Like, I was honestly surprised when I saw the trailer for Echo, because I think it was supposed to come out in November of this year, and now it's coming out in January, which, like, I'm fine with because I love Echo and I'm very excited for it, but there's just a little too much going on at Marvel Project Studios right now, where, like, we need, like, a... I think it was really easy to forget Echo was a thing until oh. we saw the trailer. Right. <laughs> I've actually been waiting for Echo, <laughs> Because I'm genuinely excited because I didn't watch Hawkeye, but when someone told me, like, we're going to have, like, a Native American superhero who's, like, deaf, I'm like, absolutely, bro, Google alerts are on, okay? When the trailer drops, I will be there. So, 
I mean, I know that, like, because she's, like, a smaller character and not very well known. Maybe people didn't know. But I know that Wilson Fisk was going to be in the show. So I was waiting because Wilson Fisk means Daredevil. And I'm waiting for Daredevil. Okay. And it looks that brutal. It looks brutal. <laughs> so so <laughs> I'm super down to, I will admit, before the trailer debuted, I was like, ah, this Echo. Is it going to be cool? Then that trailer came out and it cooked. Yeah, definitely. So I'm excited for that as well. And honestly, I just want to keep an open mind towards the Kang Dynasty and just let Marvel cook. We'll just see what happens. You know, we'll see what they'll bring for us in 2026, if it's even going to come out in 2026. Let's hope so, guys. Right. <laughs> Let's hope, okay? All right, so next piece of news. I saw this the other day, and I don't know how I feel about it. Um, quick question. Did any of you guys watch Jury Duty on Amazon? I did not, no. Okay, so I have to give you background, all right? So Jury Duty is a show on Amazon Prime, it follows this guy, Ronald, right? He's a normal guy. He's like a solar panel installer and he gets called into jury duty. And it's supposed to be a reality show on like what it's like to be on jury duty. But what Ronald doesn't know- I heard about know, this, yeah. Yeah. What Ronald doesn't know is that every single person, the judge, the defendants, the lawyers, the people on jury duty, the security guards are all actors. And Ronald mm -hmm. is the only normal person <laughs> So this show is supposed to be like a heightened, like not so serious take like jury duty. And honestly, I've watched the show twice already and I love it. It's so funny. It's so creative. It's so new. It's so fresh. And James Marsden is in it. And I love James Marsden so Ooh. much. <laughs> and the fact that he just plays himself, but like a heightened version of himself makes the show all the better. Um, but <clears throat> it was recently announced that Ronald Gladden, who was the star of Jury Duty, he signed an overall mm. deal with Amazon MGM Studios. And basically for the next two years, he'll be able to uh, work with the studio to produce, develop, and star in content all across their platforms. And some Great. people, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were like kind of confused by this. Some people were like interested in it. Um, I want to get your takes on it and see like, what do you guys think about this news? Um, I mean, hey, I, you said this This was the real guy, right? This was yeah. the dude who was the real one? The okay, guy. I'm glad because didn't it kind of end a little shaky or did I just hear hear that? It like, did was end the ending kind of? The ending was a little shaky because he was like, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he thought he was actually on jury duty. Like at one point the jury had to be sequestered, which basically means the jury has to be like in a hotel and all kept mm -hmm. together. Because, like, James Marston decided to call the paparazzi to try and get out of jury duty so he could, like, audition for a movie. But then the judge was like, okay, so now all y'all are going to be together in a hotel for this case. Because if y'all are going to be, if there's any kind of danger or anything like that, if there is any kind of possibility that the case will be leaked to the public, we need to protect that so that the case can stay, like, as, you know, tight as possible, you know? Um, so there are a lot of things going on in the show that make it seem like this is real. Like there's some strange things going on, but it's like, this is too strange that it can't be real. Like it feels like a TV show, but it's real life, you know? Crazy. So, <laughs> it's a really good show. And he, honestly, he's a very funny person and very genuine. I've watched a lot of interviews with him. He seems like a really nice guy, but I can't help but read the news and be like, why? Why though? Well, it sounds to me like maybe they, 
I mean, they messed with this guy so much for a whole reality show. Yeah. Giving him a couple shows to star in. Cool. Like, pay this brother back, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, does it have that much of a following? Because I remember the after party for SCCC was like promoting the show. Mm -hmm. I never watched it. Yeah. Um, never watched it, but that line was wrapped right around the corner. There is a following. Like, is there like people into say. it? Yeah. I would say good enough people are into it. I mean, I kind of judge whether something has a following if I look at, like, usually for Amazon Prime shows, if you look at the number of reviews on the show, if there are a lot of reviews, and, like, a lot of people have watched it, obviously. Like, The Boys has, like, thousands of reviews, and so does Jury Duty. And, I mean, it's also on Freebie, which I think if you just have, like, an Amazon account, oh, you can just watch it. okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's probably getting a lot more viewers than just the Amazon subscribers. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. right right um i'm not gonna lie when i saw the news i was kind of confused because he doesn't have any experience in the entertainment industry and although like he is like a charismatic kind of guy and i think he's really nice like i'm sure he's a great guy it seems weird to give this huge opportunity to somebody who just kind of like not happened upon it but was given it without any prior like requisites for it like no writing experience, no acting experience, no creative experience, no experience in the industry or any like real knowledge of the industry besides like what everyday people may have. So for him to be given this deal is a huge opportunity. And I know that it could be utilized for creatives that like have a plan, have like the mind for it, have like, you know, the heart and the hunger for this kind of stuff. And to be given to a guy who's just like, he's a nice guy. We liked him on the show. He was cool. It just... It feels like men like failing upwards. Like he didn't fail, but like he got another opportunity that like he didn't really like deserve. You know, I can see. I can yeah, see. Yeah, it just yeah, kind of like he got bumped into it. You know, mm -hmm. kind of handed he got, the he got lucky. Yeah, he got yeah. lucky. Exactly. He got lucky. Right place, right time. Exactly. And Amazon, like there are so many other people that like deserve that, and I don't want to take anything away from Ronald. Because I'm sure he'll do great things with, you know, the deal that he has. But I still can't help but feel like, why this guy? Because I'm watching Amazon cancel A League of Their Own. I'm watching Amazon cancel Riches UK. I'm watching Amazon, right. you know, do all these things that are just kind of suck. And you let this guy get a show, a deal, and there's going to be another boy spinoff. You know, it seems like they're catering to a certain audience on their platform and another audience are kind of like, mm, I mean, y'all are still there, though. Like, you don't have to get a show on our platform. Like, you have shows on other platforms. So, like, I mean, we gave you one season of A League of Their Own. You know, you had one season of Riches. You have one season of this show. If so let me ask you, do you know if if this deal involves shows that are going to be similar to this one? So are they kind of like... Okay, you were like our first, I guess, victim because he was the only real one in that circumstance. So they're like, okay, you're our first kind of victim. Through all the stuff you experienced, maybe he could potentially help them iron out another series that's similar. Like, that's the only thing I can really see that fathoms this because, like, you're saying, this guy has no, I, I'm, I'm reading up on the guy, he has no experience on acting. Mm -hmm. uh, he just was a solar contractor in San Diego. So I, that's the only way I guess I can make it a logical decision is that 
they saw, holy crap, this is such a big show on Freebie. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take this guy who was involved and we're going to bring him in and have him maybe produce and help us iron out shows that are similar. That's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, it's kind of a weird decision. Yeah. Um, in the Variety article that I've read, there isn't any like specific projects that he wants to start. So I think it's basically what you said, Leo, that he just kind of wants to produce new shows, either things that are similar to Jury Duty or things that are like in the likeness of shows that are like, you know, wholesome and like show like a different variety of people and shows that are like original and new and creative. And he said that he met a lot of creative people while working on Jury Duty. So it's possible that he may want to work with those people again, but we don't really know because this was just announced. So it's just kind of like, we're just in the beginning stages of it all. So, yeah, but I thought I saw that news and I was just kind of thought it was like a little random, if I'm being honest, but I don't know if you suddenly found out that something happened to you in your life and it was part of a reality show. I don't know how you would move forward with that, you know, like. What would you do That's kind of traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you start working a job, and next thing you know, like, turns out you're on a reality show on Netflix, and everybody knows that, like, you know. I think I'd sue. I mean, if, if I don't know, though, because it's like, all right, he had to have known something about all that. Like, I'm sure they were like, hey, here's some contracts. You're going to be recorded. You know, like, I'm sure he knew that part. Like, it probably wasn't like, surprise, you've been on camera and on TV, no, right? full surprise. Like, oh, well, yeah, then, okay, then, then him getting all this, then, I don't, I don't blame him, maybe, if he went after this, I don't know. But, I mean, if they just guys this guy and, like, made it seem like it was a real-life situation and it was like, oh, hey, actually, you've been recording this whole time as actors, that's kind of fucked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that I would definitely suggest that you watch Jury Duty because it is still a really good show. Like, it's really awesome. I really enjoyed it. But I think we just kind of have to, like, see what happens, you know? Just see what's next for this guy. Yeah. And the last thing I did want to talk about was this interesting um, article that was released surrounding Christopher Nolan and he was defending the role of franchises in Hollywood. Basically he was saying that like they're a crucial part of the film industry ecosystem. I love that word ecosystem. And even though he is someone who's a fan of originality, he believes that sequels and like prequels, as he says, and further follow-ups of original movies boost the film ecosystem, leveraging pre-existing IP as much as possible to create enticing blockbusters. And since he directed um the black knight oh no the black knight the dark knight it makes sense that like he kind of is like a fan of superhero movies since he directed a superhero movie and i think it's just kind of like surprising because other prestigious directors we've seen have been speaking you know not so kindly about like marvel and star wars or superhero movies in general so i'm gonna say i feel a little vindicated for christopher nolan saying that i feel a little vindicated as a marvel fan okay he's only had one black person in any of his movies but you know what christopher nolan you're okay with me all right i just need eris orkin to say it next please <laughs> i love him i was gonna say hasn't he had two has he uh, main lead character, he's had one, and that was okay. the protagonist who could easily right. have been a white actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who was the second one? 
There was John David Washington. Well, he had Morgan Freeman, but I guess he wasn't the lead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, Morgan Freeman is also, like, name a black actor, you know? One of the first five people that someone will think of. Right. You're like, Morgan Freeman, Denzel Washington. It's like, no, 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 sir, that don't count. <laughs> Try a little harder. <laughs> yeah. Like, sir, we're trying to hear some Sterling K. Browns yes. and some deeper cuts than that. Some like, you don't know, Nicole Bahari. Okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, regarding this topic, I mean, it's nice to actually see that directors, you know, all have different takes on this, this topic. I, I like it. I like that, you know, you've got Marty over here who's, like, very this way about it he's like nah you know marvel movies are like roller coasters as opposed to nolan who on the other end what i admire about it coming from nolan is that he has been on both ends so he has been on the superhero end he but most of his filmography is original films so i like that somebody like nolan can weigh in on this and they were like hey are you gonna do another superhero film and he's like nope um so i like that nolan at least has experienced the superhero side of things but i think he's right i mean Think about it. It's one of those things where what keeps the lights on? The blockbuster movies. Now, obviously, we want the Killers of the Flower Moon to do well. We want the smaller movies to do well. We want the middle-budget movies to do well, of course. But your Marvels, your 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 Guardians Volume 3, your... Well, Barbie and Oppenheimer was such a crazy phenomenon, but even those, Barbie especially, blockbuster, the blockbusters keep the lights on. The franchises keep the lights on. Yeah. So I see what he's saying when he means... It, it's needed. It's necessary for us to see the Killers of the Flower Moon, for us to see those smaller movies. It's ne the maestros of the world. It's, ne it's necessary. Yeah. And I would say, um, this is something I haven't really said on the podcast yet, but I feel like it's kind of hypocritical for people who are like fans of like big name directors to hate Marvel movies because they kind of do fall into the same trap. Because they're both films that will be released into like hundreds of AFC theaters. They're both films that will make a lot of money in the box office and get a lot of like exposure in the press. And a lot of trade publications will be talking about these films and they'll get like wonderful reviews and everything like that. And everybody will know the names of these films. And I feel like a lot of times, I, for me per personally, I would rather see like smaller independent movies get that same push as like Killers of the Flower Moon and like Oppenheimer because Martin Scorsese is like mm -hmm. a huge he's a big name director you know and you just say Martin Scorsese is directing a movie people are going to go see it people are going to go watch it and there are so many films that come out every single year that are small independent films that people do not see that don't that aren't really in like the theaters that don't get put in a lot of like movie showings and unless it's produced by like Neon or uh, A24, you probably are not going to see it or are not going to know about that movie. So me personally, I feel like when people say things like, you know, Martin Scorsese's right, Marvel movies are like, you know, killing cinema. Really, there is like a huge section of cinema that people are completely ignoring. And there are certain movies that only get shown at like film festivals and they never get pushed anywhere else. And if you ever get the chance to watch it, it is four years after the release and it is on Netflix or it's on Hulu and you'll see it in like the trending movies list for the first week. And then it's buried in the library after that. Oh. This is why, you know, a lot. I know a lot of people 
don't tune into reward shows and yeah. you know a lot of people don't agree with the politics of the oscars and i totally understand but this is the one thing i do commend the oscars on is they do put those small films that nobody's heard of the poor things the maestro all those movies i could ask all my friends have y'all heard about that they'd be like hmm so i'm glad that the oscars at least and, and of course not everybody tunes into them but i, I am glad that the oscars does make a, a lane for some of these smaller movies because like you were saying there's no advertising for them there's no and it's it's because christopher nolan and and martin scorsese put their name on a poster and people see that and they're gonna go see it so it's it's a little bit of the the director's name that actually sells these tickets sometimes and that's the case hugely the case at first for oppenheimer i think the barbenheimer phenomena also helped that and then that's a help for Killers of the Flower Moon, not that that did amazing at the box office, but at least made a little bit of money. And then it's just going to go on Apple TV Plus, and Apple don't care. They're like, bye, like, go on. They're doing the same thing with Napoleon. They're like, okay, go on to the streaming service. It's cool. They got so much money. They're like, ah, it can come out. We're, we're good. Right. That's true. That's very true. Also, I'm kind of excited to watch Poor Things because I love Yorgos Anthemus. He is... What are the... <laughs> He's just a little unhinged. In this filmmaking, which I enjoy. I can appreciate it a little bit, you know. I feel like there are a lot of people who watch The Favorite, and because it was a little tamer than his other movies, that when they go see Poor Things, they're going to be a little bit surprised. And I'm excited for that for them. Because there were some reports that people were like walking out of like the first showing of Poor Things, and he literally didn't care. Like a reporter told him that he was like, okay, cool, great. I make movies so people can walk out. If you don't want to watch the movie, that's fine. You're not my audience, all right? If you watch The Lobster and you got through that movie, you're his audience. Okay. The Lobster's still one of my favorite movies. <laughs> uh, what a fun date night movie that would be. The Lobster. Imagine. Anyways, guys, that was Media Mania. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in to the meat and the potatoes of the podcast. We're going to be talking about Christmas movies that aren't really Christmas movies. And when you think of a Christmas movie, what do you think? You think of, obviously, a movie that takes place during the holiday season, right? It's snowing, there are decorations, there's jingle bells in the background, possibly a Mariah Carey song, you know, if they have the rights, okay? Leo, are you raising your hand? I just really quick gotta say, <laughs> Die Hard has all of that, and people still say it's not a Christmas movie. Oh Die Hard has every single thing you just listed. <laughs> Leo, that's not even your movie, so. Nope. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm team diehard too, but what do I know? All right. Thank you. Jake Peralta 1, Jake Peralta 2. We got it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Great. <laughs> okay. As I was saying, um, Christmas movies, they are centered around love, the spirit of giving. There might be a Santa Claus, there might be a Christmas tree. So it's going to be heartwarming, family-friendly vibes, okay? It is wholesome. It's a movie you've watched with the family together. So they're going to keep it PG, not PG-13, all right? And when you think of movies that are unconventional Christmas movies, they fit into those aspects. You know, they have, it takes place during Christmas time, the holiday season. There's snow. There might be some Santa. All right, there may be some Christmas music here or there. There might be a feel-good factor, or maybe not. All right, 
But we're going to go ahead and dive into talking about what movies we think are Christmas movies, even if you don't think they're Christmas movies. All right? We're going to convince you of our opinion. So the first person who's going to go is Loretto. And I see that you put Iron Man 3. Okay. Okay. And he's, okay, he's suiting up. Oh, oh okay. Got the prop ready? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stark, is that you? Oh, my God. <laughs> For those who are listening and cannot see, Loretto has, like, an Iron Man shirt on. And as I said, his pig, he pulled the hoodie over his eyes <laughs> like he is actually <laughs> Tony Stark. So, Loretto, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about Iron Man 3? Why is that a Christmas movie? Why do you think that? All right, y'all. Hot take of the century here. Um, I'm a huge Iron Man 3 supporter, backer. Um, it was written and directed by Shane Black. Mm-hmm. And for people that just don't know Shane Black, he wrote the original three Lethal Weapon films. All of them set in Christmas, by the way. This is just kind of his thing. Um, he also wrote Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, starring Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. Before Robert Downey became Tony Stark. He uh, wrote The Nice Guys, the film that a lot of people on film Twitter love. It's Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, the buddy cop movie, also set in Christmas. So that's just kind of his thing. He writes his stories. He tells them on Christmas, and it's awesome. It's just kind of his thing. So when he got the opportunity to do Iron Man 3, everyone was wondering, is he going to do it? And lo and behold, he did it again. And Iron Man 3, obviously, was a sequel to the original Jon Favreau films, book-ended Iron Man's trilogy, and it was... After the events of uh, the Battle of New York, um, Tony was having PTSD, um, and then he receives threats from this terrorist known as the Mandarin, when um, all along, it was actually a scientist that he slighted at a New Year's Eve party uh, long, long ago, and it was like a, almost like an Incredibles-like, hey, you remember me kind of thing, and he was actually the big bad all along. Um, so, and then am I going to just break down why I think it's a Christmas movie? I mean... Yeah, because to be honest, the movie starts at a New Year's Eve party. So I don't really know how it's a Christmas movie. You know? Okay, I mean, that's just the intro. And okay. then once we get into the story, yeah, um, we see when we first see Tony Stark on screen, mm. he's listening to a Christmas song. And he's like dancing and jiggling and showing off his new suit that okay. like flies to his body. Okay. Um, so it's, it, it is set in Christmas once we get into the main story. Um, he presents Pepper with a big bear. I don't know if you remember the big bear. That yes. was like his, her big present. Um, there's a snowy setting. Um, when he has the malfunction with his suit, he blasts off into the sc- into the sky and lands into a pile of snow. And we actually have Tony Snark, Tony Stark, Tony Stark walking through the snow, dragging his Iron Man suit. He meets um, what's that kid's name? The little boy. Uh, people were like, "Oh, is that Iron Lad?" or whatever it was. Um, what was his name? Yeah, they thought, they were like, oh, is that Peter Parker, the little boy? Or, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's like a lot of rumors. Little boy from who's that kid? Yeah, who had the mask on? No, that's oh no, no, no. I mean, like just the kid that he meets. And anyways, long story Harley. short, his name's Harley. He meets this kid, Char. Yes, Harley. Yeah. Harley. There you go. Yeah, he meets this kid, a Bond, and there you go. There you got. You got some, uh, you know, warm, uh, family like kind of like things you can attach to, like any kind of like. Parent kind of gets that bond, like um, that kid was like like bullied. He was a nerd, and then you know they Tony and him bond over like like creating things and, and inventing things. And what's cool is he he helps him with his little potato shooter at the end of the film. So there there's some wholesomeness there, um, and also the grand finale. The grand finale is like 
it's just a big spectacle with the lights, the light show of all the, the what do you call it? The, the when his suits come to what's what's what does he call that that house party protocol when all the suits come oh, out okay. and we get the yeah and then all the suits blow up and he's like telling uh, Pepper like oh didn't I promise you uh didn't he say like, I promise you fireworks something like that and then like he kissed her it was all happy ending and yeah. <laughs> um he eventually gets his his arc reactor taken out. So it's a happy ending. He goes through a transformation from when we knew him in the first film to this film. He he realizes like, you know, he's more than the suit. Which I I that's like my, my favorite thing about Iron Man three is that he does a lot in the entire film without his suit because he was having issues and he did he did a lot of it just his normal ingenuity of just him being Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And um, yeah, it's set in Christmas. <laughs> It is set in Christmas. There was snow, and then there was the bond between Tony Stark and Harley. And because of that familiar bond, you think it's a Christmas movie. It's heartwarming, you know? Mm. It's, um, <laughs> it's uplifting. <laughs> uplifting. I'm trying to remember Iron Man 3, because it's been a while since I've watched that movie, but it's not really uplifting is it did he get like kidnapped and like he was held in the island and then war machine had to help break him out isn't that the plot of iron man 3 or like part oh, of yeah, it yeah yeah like the final act yeah tony tony stark does get captured yeah um the president also gets captured but mm. there's a happy ending the president lives mm. Rhodey and tony and pepper save the day mm. and the bad guy dies awesome oh right she put on the suit in that movie yes no, 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 no. Um, she was injected with the uh, with the serum serum that makes them all fiery and hot. That oh. that's what the Mandarin had, where he's like breathing fire and he's like he could regrow his limbs. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember what that's called. Extremist or something like that. Yeah, I think. That's yeah. It. Oh my god, it's been so long since I've watched that movie. I thought she was gonna die when I oh. saw that. Well, yeah, it seemed like they were headed that way, but see, yeah. that's the that's the wholesome ending there, Lol. You see, the <laughs> he saved his pet. He saved also, his I mean, And also, like, again, I mean, it's not like that Christmas song in the beginning was the only part. Uh -huh. Um, there's several scenes with the president where he's like gathering around the Christmas tree, mm -hmm. and then the guy, the secretary that was like the the bad guy. I was like backstabbing the president. He was like on the phone with his daughter, and his daughter was like, "Like, oh, I have a present." And so you know, there's like, like there's like moments where you know it's it's Christmas. Like there's it's it's very much established. So I'll say that. What was the Christmas movie that was playing in Iron Man three? Oh, there was a Christmas movie playing. Christmas song. Crap. What was a Christmas oh. song? Sorry. You remember? Good question. <laughs> I'm actually trying to remember. You know, I hadn't seen the film in Wasn't a while. Wasn't it just um, Jingle Bells? Was it? Was it? I think there was. I know there was Jingle Bells. Santa's coming. To, there's a couple of little. Um, there's a couple of music, uh, Christmas songs, like when he's trying on the little armor and stuff. The the uh, forty the um the new Mark is it armor, Bells? the Mark Forty Two. I think that was Jingle Bells. Yeah. Right. I think it's just Jingle Bells. Okay. Iron Man three. Listen, I you took Iron yeah, Man you're three. Right, right. was, it's, it's I, a I was remix. In that it's a remix of Jingle Bell, oh. and he's he's dancing to it while he's putting the armor on. 
Mm-hmm. I remember. Okay, so what? I was like, I remember him like dancing. Right. How? How? Um. Wait, Iron Man three was that released in like December? The movie. That's another good question. Yeah, don't think so. I think it was a couple of months prior. Okay, maybe I. I, I remember oh, watching May. it in theaters. I don't remember when it came out. Yeah, it was okay. May. It was in May. <laughs> it came out in May. That's... I mean, that is kind of awkward. I remember watching it too, and I'm like, wow, it's a Christmas movie in May. Yeah, that's a little random. Like, imagine, like, it's summer. You just get out of school. You're watching Iron Man 3. It's like, why is there a Christmas tree in here? Like, why does it feel so Christmas themed? <laughs> I do have to say, um, I don't really know if I feel like this is a Christmas movie because the Christmas elements, how central are they to the plot? You know what I mean? Because it does put you... Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because like him mentioning... Yeah, no, that's fair. It's more so a film set during Christmas, but Christmas is not central to the the theme of the movie nor the plot. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I understand because like, to see like the holiday and the festive like decorations lets you know around what time, you know, everything, all the events in the movie are taking place. Um, so of course, like that kind of feeds into the plot, but um, it's kind of like you said with Die Hard because there is obviously like festive decorations around that time as well that more or less is like blended into like the movie and like what's going on of the action of the film not just like oh yeah they're just so happy i think um batman returns probably would have been more on the nose Mm. but i actually wanted to try to defend one that doesn't seem like a christmas movie but i mean you know it's uh it's not well i mean i mean that's the whole point of the debate though right yeah like because it's like a christmas movie but it's not Mm -hmm. right so do you watch this movie during the holidays like do you have like a special place in your heart for this film loretto honestly yes um just like it's a shame black thing it's a shame black thing like um every couple christmases i'll watch lethal weapon Mm -hmm. um kiss kiss bang bang is a new one for me Mm -hmm. that i really really enjoy and i'm gonna be honest i am gonna watch iron man 3 in the next couple of weeks because (laughs) in my opinion it's set in christmas and i'm gonna have fun with it yeah absolutely okay you know what? That works. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I'm. Ta-da! It's very interesting that you picked Iron Man three because, I mean, usually when like movies run in trilogies, people do go with like the first one, you know. So for you to go with the third one is an interesting pick. But Iron Man three does still like, it's still a pretty good movie. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, Thor Dark World where you're like, mm, we just skip over that one. We just act like that one doesn't exist. Like, Yeah, just skip that in the rewatch. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> you really gotta include well, that one. Well, the thing is, to also, I mean, I really like Iron Man 3, but it's, I, I still prefer the first film. Mm-hmm. It's oh, just, for the, for the sake of the, the theme, I, I wanted to give it a shot. See yeah. if I could turn your heads on the Christmas theme of it all. But it's more so just set during Christmas. Yeah, so you wanted to give us a challenge. Mm-hmm. Does anyone say Merry Christmas during Iron Man three? Do you remember, or like Happy Holidays? I guess Tony does. Yeah, Tony, Tony does. Okay, he mm-hmm. does. Got it. He says Happy Holidays. Okay, you know what? That works. That makes sense. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> 
I do want to say the fact that it released in May is kind of like questionable, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you hold that. Also, when I rewatch it, Monty, I'll uh -huh. tag you and Leo. <laughs> I'm gonna do an, a thorough breakdown <laughs> to strengthen my argument. Okay. My, my next rewatch. <laughs> you do that. You do that. I'll be looking out for that one. Okay. Great. So Loretto, he has given us Iron Man three. Y'all can add that to your holiday movies, you know, when you're doing your movie marathons with your family. You don't have to watch Iron Man 2, Iron Man 1, just the third one. Because that's the holiday one. Or you could watch all three, really. Because why not? I mean, the Iron Man movies are really good. Like, I'd watch one and three. <laughs> Go on ahead and skip that old raggedy two. Y'all can. What? Iron Man... Man... What? Iron Man 2 is so oh, good. Iron Man 2. Um... Hey, ScarJo is in her prime in that film, yes. and uh... yes, and uh, Whiplash <laughs> and Iron Man um, don't even have a final battle. So, but you know what? Hey, Iron you know what? Man too. Okay, also, if you I'm here do for that boxing match between him and Rhodey. Mm -hmm. I just find that fun. And then you got like Queen playing in the background, yes. like dude, dude, <laughs> They tried. They, they like, really tried to the... capture that magic of the first one. They really tried. Listen, <laughs> Iron Man 2 is a great film because one thing about it, two things for sure, I feel like Iron Man 2 really set the scene for like superhero hallway fights, okay? If you got a superhero and they're in an office building, you'll have to fight in the hallway. It's narrow, it's long, there's no way to run, there's no way to escape. You have to take out all the guys one by one, okay? Iron Man 2 and then like Daredevil's one, okay? I love them. I think about them. All the time. I rewatched the clip on YouTube just to like see it because it's just so amazing. The synchronicity is everything to me. So I'll, I'll be honest. I was hyped when Black Widow did her hallway. Thing. Yes, it was tight. She dropped through, dropped down yes. from the little vent, just dropped yes. down on him. Yes. I was like, okay, that's pretty tight. Like <laughs> honestly, and also that's a great way to introduce a new superhero into the franchise. Like. Who should have had her movie back around this time? Let's be honest. I was gonna say, I think, I think it just comes back to around that we should have, we should have had a Black Widow movie from the beginning. Yes. But... Yeah. It shouldn't have taken. Because if she would have had a, a movie and then we would have led up to the Avengers, it wouldn't have messed anything up. Mm -hmm. We can get her movie in here, and then the next movie is Thor or whoever, and then we go to Avengers. And it's like, oh, we had, oh, we we remember her. She got a movie. Like, yeah. that would have been cool. The world wasn't ready for it. Sadly. Nope. I mean... Old dude running Disney at the time who was running Marvel show didn't want to... No. What was his name? Well, I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, imagine, right? I mean, look, we're totally going off the rails here, but imagine... Pearl Mutter. Just a few, I, Pearl Mutter. Like, just, just a few years before the MCU, Elektra flopped. Mm. Elektra flopped. Yeah. Catwoman yeah. with Halle Berry flopped. Flopped! So Hollywood... I mean, <laughs> Yeah, so Hollywood had a stigma against female superheroes. Well, so I think that's also part of it. But it doesn't mean that they should have given up. Yeah. Right. And I, I do it half of it is Ike Perlmutter, who didn't want a Black Panther film. He didn't want a Black Widow film. I mean, he just was kinda not Oh, that was the he, guy? he wanted his people in the forefront. Let's just yeah. say that. Okay, okay. Very yeah, I, I did hear about that. But you no, that's a really good point though, is that like on the other hand, it's like yeah, these these film female led ones box office wise weren't performing well. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, if we were really keeping it a buck, we should have had the Black Widow film after Age of Ultron, and then after Iron Man 3, we should have had the War Machine film. Like, Rhodey has been here for how long, and we don't even know his backstory. Are we doing that old Armor Wars all late? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is Armor Wars even going to happen? Like, I mean, no, it's on the slate still, but That's knows? a good point. We are all kind of like, <laughs> maybe? The fact that Loki season two was like fully like pre-production, filmed, post-production, out, and we're still waiting on things that have been announced since forever ago. Hello, like I'm gonna be waiting on um, Iron Ironheart. Ironheart. I'm gonna be yeah. They moved that back. They moved that back. That's supposed to have. I listen. That was done around Wakanda Forever time, and they were just like, ah, well, my. Yeah, the problem is that... Like, I was going to say, I need more Riri, man. Mm-hmm. She was great. She was. Period. But they have to, like... Because Ironheart has to be um, kind of shown in between other projects, so that's why it keeps getting pushed back. So we just have to, like, wait for it, which sucks. Th- they, they wanted to push it back and kind of have it be set up for Armor Wars, and that that's okay, but we could have had Armor Wars be not too long after Wakanda forever mm-hmm. and just put those two after Wakanda, because... Now people are like, wait, who's that Riri girl again? It's like, if you would have released that right after Wakanda Forever, people are fresh. They still know, like, hey, like, this this chick's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Now y'all don't clip their wings because we ain't going to see her for another two, three years. And that's the problem with Marvel TV shows is that they use them as miniseries to accompany their movies instead of using them as simply television shows to introduce us to the characters. And then they don't have showrunners. They didn't have show Bibles. And then that's what happened with um, Secret Invasion because they kept changing like creators and showrunners and writers and pushing things back. And then the show just got getting more diluted and diluted and then... And believe it or not, they don't even have no show Bibles. They were just, the way the MCU TV shows were run is Kevin Feige in the room had an idea. They would go shoot it. They would go shoot their five or six episodes and then come back and they'd be like, well, let's edit out. Let's, and it's like, that's not a great way to run a TV show. You got to do the show Bible. The Bible gives you the guideline of what to shoot, why this character is the way they are. It's the holy Bible of the whole show. Right. So you should be running according to plan the whole time, but they're like, ah, let's just kind of go as we do, like like a YouTube video, and it's like you can't you can't do that, you know? But yeah, like there's no focus when you when you shoot that way, and that's yeah. why some episodes feel disjointed because mm-hmm. there's no direction and there's no central like vision pushing force. Though. Yeah, yeah, just kind of doing its own thing and then just like kind of putting it together in the edit. <laughs> So I gotta, I gotta say this, y'all. I, I agree with Lowe. I think it is a Christmas movie, and part, partly because I was actually gonna pick it. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I, I came in hot out the gate. I was like, Force Awakens. That's gonna be my one. And then uh-huh. <laughs> see, Monty got it. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. I wait. I, I got Iron Man three in the chamber. Clicked in the documents. All Lowe got it. So I was like, okay, I'll go with Spider Man No Way Home, which did come out around Christmas, <laughs> by the way. So once we talk about that one, but. Yeah, it starts with the Christmas Eve party. Tony says Merry Christmas. It's got the Jingle Bells theme. Like, I absolutely think this is like... And they're making a What If episode with more Christmas Iron Man stuff. So I And I think it takes place during Iron Man 3, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm like, I think the Christmas thing, absolute, it's absolutely a Christmas movie. Okay. It's one of those where it's like, uh, we don't call it a Christmas movie, but man, I'll be watching Iron Man 3 on Christmas. Yeah. 
I mean, most people watch superhero movies during Christmas anyways. Cause, like, yeah. They fit into the theme, you know. They can make it work. All right, Loretto, you have your Christmas movie, Iron Man 3. Stand for approval. <laughs> we, Yay! Yeah. We won! We won! <laughs> All Stand right. of approval! Boom! Boom! There you go, right there. All right, Leo. <laughs> Gosh. For those who are listening and can't see, Loretto has pulled his hood down and, you know, show of victory. Now he's dancing. <laughs> he's doing what Tony Stark was doing in Iron Man 3, basically. Yeah. He got the Iron Man little hood on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations, Loretto, for, you know, confirming and testing that Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. <laughs> you defended your point. You've done it well. You stood your ground. And now we're going to go to Leo to his film. And you already said it, but um, it's Spider-Man. Is it Far From Home? He says no Way Home. No Way Home. So the third one. Okay. Yeah. The third one. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Defend your defend it. So Spider-Man No Way Home picks up right after the end of Far From Home when Mysterio uh, revealed Peter Parker as Spider-Man to the world. So due to this occurrence, Peter Parker visits Doctor Strange, which by the way, it is snowing uh-huh. at the Sanctum Sanctorum. So we've got some snow already. We've got the Christmas stuff setting up. Yeah. He goes and makes this wish that nobody knows. He's Spider-Man, except a select few people. And the more he keeps selecting, the more hectic the spell gets. And then it causes a madness within the universe. We start seeing other Spider-Man come through. The the villains from the other Spider-Man movies are coming through. And now the Spider-People, the three Spider-Man from the Spider-Man movies we know, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and Tom Holland Spider-Man band together to take out the villains. Now, let me tell you why this is a Christmas movie. Okay. First and foremost, it came out around Christmas. Mm -hmm. So it came out eight days prior to Christmas. They absolutely wanted to get you in the Christmas chair with this movie. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first and foremost, the release date. And I just want to say something about superhero and Star Wars movies. Star Wars, Avatar, and and now the MCU have set up a great staple that blockbusters being associated with Christmas coming out is now a thing. We've got Aquaman around the corner, et cetera, et cetera. But it came out around Christmas. Spider-Man No Way Home gave us Spider-Man fans the gift of a lifetime. And that's all three Spider-People we know appearing on screen together. That is a gift right there. That's a gift. They did not have to do that. They did not have to go through these contractual obligations to get these two Spider-Men on screen. And they went through all the riffraff they had to go through to give us that Mm. and Daredevil. Mm -hmm. So that was the gift that kept on giving. But here's a big reason why I would call this a Christmas movie. Because the co-writer of Spider-Man No Way Home, Chris McKenna himself, said that this is directly inspired by a Christmas movie. Anybody know what movie it is? It's a Wonderful Life. Because It's a Wonderful Life, the plot is a guardian angel comes and shows this man how the lives he he had affected would be without him. What is Spider-Man No Way Home? Showing us how life would be without Peter Parker. It is absolutely a Christmas movie. This man gets to the end of the... He sacrifices all of his... All of the things he has. He loses Aunt May. He sacrifices his friendships to go become the hero that New York needs. 
and he is swinging over a Christmas tree at the end of this movie, baby, and he gets a new suit. This is absolutely a Christmas movie. Iron Man 3 has got more Christmas songs, but this is absolutely a Christmas movie having been directly inspired by one. We see the main character swinging by a Christmas tree, and it came out around Christmas, which is something that Star Wars was doing until Marvel picked up and said, you know what? We're going to give you all the gift that keeps on giving three Spider-Man on screen together. And now ask anybody who was there watching this movie when it came out. They were hollering, hooping and hollering. Mm -hmm. If you would ask anybody that watched this movie in theaters, was that a gift for you? They would say, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Loretto, you got the Santa hat? <laughs> was that Harley Quinn? <laughs> He's had it on. Is that a Harley Quinn hat? <laughs> He had it on your whole explanation, like the whole thing. Oh, he did. Yes, <laughs> I've been looking at this cam. Like, I got my screen right here, and my cam the camera's right here. So I was, I was gonna say, no, when you were doing your whole spiel, I threw the hat on. I was like, <laughs> but um, jingle bells, baby. So, yes. If I may, I I'll admit, like seeing Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire. And Tom Holland giving each other a big Spider-Man hug. I mean, that in and of itself is one of the most wholesome things ever. Period. And it warmed my heart. And, and it, it is a gift. It is. But having Tom Holland at the end of the film, like, lose all his friends, is like especially losing MJ and Ned, and it kind of ripped my soul out for a second there. So... <laughs> That's my only complaint about it being a Christmas movie because you're happy until you're not. And that well, ending here... when he's in the coffee shop, it just wrecks me. I'm like, yo, am I supposed to be happy or sad right now? <laughs> here's the wholesome part out of all of it. Here's the wholesome part. Here's why you got you, you, That's a good ending. Because Spider-Man did the ultimate sacrifice that damn near no other hero would did. And Iron Man's the only one to do it. He sacrificed everything he had for everybody else to prosper. So I understand that it could feel a little bit like, oh, Spider-Man's feeling, you know, it's a little bit ripping things away from Spider-Man, but he gave that up so that they could have hope and they could have their dreams. So I think, well, it could be a little sad for Pete. Pete gonna go on to college, make him some new friends and stuff. He just, it just, so, he just had to give this up so they could have their so, wholesome lives back. It's interesting because you're right, but it still hurts. That Hurt? coffee shop scene is is just like, oh yeah. my god, my yeah. Like, yeah, it's painful. But as a Spider-Man fan, you gotta admit when that man pulled out that new costume and started <laughs> swinging through the through New York, yeah. Listen, that was amazing. That right there was enough to get my hopes back up. We got us a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Okay, you people. know what? You're right. No, it does end on a high. So yeah, I gotta hear Monty's thoughts because you're right. It does end on a high note. It does. <laughs> the Iron Man. <laughs> okay. I mean, No Way Home did come out during the holidays, right? It did come out during the holidays, and yeah, it came out December seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Yep. And there are Christmas elements to the movie as well. And you do see him swinging from a Christmas tree at the end, which is very much like holiday vibes. Okay. Um, is it ever said when 
like what in like what time the movie takes place, like the events that it takes place. Is it snowing in New York when Mysterio? It's snowing. It's snowing at the last twenty to thirty minutes. Well, uh -huh. Mysterio, that's like the beginning of the movie, right. so that's coming. That's carrying over from Far From Home. Yeah. So yeah, it's snowing in that last I think twenty with the to thirty. Admissions. I don't think we're in Christmas time. Nah, they're trying to get like, into college. Yeah, it'd so. probably be like March or April. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then like Hamartage had snow because somebody forgot to close a portal. One of the yeah. one of the wizards messed up. But we still setting up that Christmas spirit, baby. Mm. Christmas in yeah. July, come on, y'all. Okay, hey, I'll admit, Doctor Strange with his like mug and his winter coat that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It kind of yeah, gives you like a, was... yeah, it gives you the vibe. He got had the house shoes on. He had the hot cocoa. Cool. Listen, we were setting up. We were ready for that Christmas, yeah. okay? And he looked cozy as hell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> had his little sweats on. <laughs> all right. All right. And then you said the three Spider-Man were the gift for the fans. All right. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. Huh. Let's see. I mean, are there any other holiday elements that you would say make this a Spider-Man movie? Because the movie isn't really, like, family-friendly, you could say. Because um, No Way Home? No Way Home. Well, I mean, you literally watch Aunt May get crushed by, like, a part of the... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it doesn't directly show her, like, splatter or nothing. Oh, that's a family. And deal. also, I would say out of the three, it's definitely the most violent uh, yeah. Spider-Man. Like, like yeah. him and Goblin were him and Goblin were throwing blows. Yes, <laughs> Goblin yes. was going to work. Yeah, uh, uh, Spider-Man going to work. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, and then remember very... when uh, Peter was hitting him and he was like smiling at him? It's like, yo, that's kind of yeah. scary. <laughs> but there's a very hopeful message here even toward the end when he's about to kill Goblin and, and Spider-Man jumps in the front. Remember, we, we are the heroes. We're not, we are spider people. We don't kill. Mm -hmm. So even when things did get extreme, they reeled it back in. They said, hold on, come on, come on back. Loretta was like sweating because he had the hood on for so long. No, I, I was having a lot of fun, but it was, it was creating a lot of uh, heat yes. and, uh, <laughs> I was getting kind of foggy in there. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, I don't know. How, hey, I'm going to say this right now. I don't know how anybody, real or fake, does superhero stuff because that is t exhausting. Yes, sir. Oh, it's oh. hot under them things. Oh, hot. Yeah. Cosplay is like a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like, wearing like a cowl or a mask. Like, ugh. I, I get, I get fatigued. Okay. I do have a few questions. Um, what do you think are some standout performances that contribute to the holiday theme? That contribute to the holiday theme of this movie? Yeah. Spider-Man. Peter Parker himself. He gave up every... Christmas is about giving. He oh, gave up everything for everyone. Sacrifice. He gave up his identity. He gave up his... He made a self-sacrifice. Just like the guy in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm sacrificing his time, sacrificing he could have did this, he could have got this done but instead he's going to do a good deed and give back to others. That's what Christmas is about. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man gave his whole well, he didn't give Aunt May unfortunately that was a loss yeah. but 
having the other Spider-Man go back, giving up uh, people knowing he's Spider-Man, even people give, giving up his identity and people knowing Peter Parker mm -hmm. in order for them to have a safe, wholesome life and continuing the college. That's the biggest Christmas gift of all. Mm -hmm. And so Tom Holland's Peter Parker, first of all, Tom Holland was excellent in this film and seeing him in this movie, the way he elevates so well on screen and not to mention just going from that, you know, that boyish, like Mr. Stark, very reliant on Iron Man to embracing who Spider-Man is. It's been an arc for Tom Holland's acting career. And I watched this movie and I'm just like, man, I just need him to be in another good movie because, man, Cherry, wasn't it? Uh, what else was he in? That, that one sci-fi movie he was in with Daisy Ridley. That was a pretty bad one. Um, he's been in a couple. Uh, Devil All the Time was okay with... What's that? Chaos Walking, that one? Yeah, Chaos Walking. Mm -hmm. Do you know Nick Jonas is also in that movie? <laughs> Wait, who was in that movie? Nick Jonas. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, come on, Nick. Come on, Tom. It's also on Netflix for anyone who <laughs> And then, like, it. Uncharted was okay, but it was kind of bland. <gasps> yeah. Video it was, it was, was like, no season on chicken. I fell asleep in the theater Ooh. during Uncharted. Oh, yeah, I was wee. tired. You fell asleep. Ooh. Yeah, and I woke up and I was like, oh, they're fighting the bad guy now. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, okay. but it's like, I wasn't bothered. I was like, okay, that happened. But I think that, for me, ties into the holiday theme because Christmas, the main central theme is about giving. And yeah, Tom Holland's Spider-Man gives it all up for others. And I will say this, we get a little dose of Halloween in there as well. There's a scene in the coffee shop where she's got these little Halloween lights hung up. Uh-huh. So when and when they when they reference Doctor Strange, they go to a shot of the little lights and I was like, "Okay. We got a little Halloween mix in there too." <laughs> okay. All right, we're covering all the holidays in this movie. Got it. See, I think that kind of clues in the the time period we're in then, right? Yeah. Well, what's weird is it's like, do you get college acceptance letters in October? Uh, if yeah, you no, early, probably not, right? I mean, if you apply early decision, then yeah. Uh, people yeah, do. who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I don't it's know, been a while since It looked look warm outside. I don't know. <laughs> they didn't yeah, they're no, in cold. Yeah, it's weird. It looked like summer. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right, who knows? Okay. I was just saying, like, okay, I, I never really did the university experience. Like, mm -hmm. do you find out where you're going to college before you walk the stage? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yes, yeah. you definitely should. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. That's what, that way, when you talk to your friends, like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to UCLA. It's like that. That's yeah. because you found out already, right? Yeah. <laughs> People get accepted. Yeah, college. Like before that. college admissions is like pretty much your whole last year, and then you find out in the spring. I think. That's what I found. Okay. That's what most people find out is in the spring. You can apply early decision in like September, possibly, and then hmm. you could find out if you're like waitlisted or something before the holiday. You know what? You might. You, I think you're right because it's it's got to be like October because like okay, you get that bleak of bleep of the 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 Halloween and then he's swinging during Christmas, so it's got to be like October. Uh -huh. Weirdly, feels like it takes place during summer ish, but yeah, yeah, no, it feels summer but i mean it's it, fine it's hard to depict the weather in movies unless they're like wearing a jacket or something you know right and, like, and oh, they, it's cold outside and it's like he's got well, a t-shirt on in the beginning but yeah. then he's got a jacket on later it's like who knows <laughs> yeah 
like literally that entire film, I'm enjoying the ride where I'm not really worried about when it's taking place. Like, no, I, so I think that's the main I... thing too. You're not thinking about like that. we're like overanalyzing it, but it's like I never thought about that the first time I saw it. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think the writer himself came out and told us this is a Christmas movie. Yeah. He said, "Listen, I took." the Chris a definitive Christmas movie and mm -hmm. laid out this movie with that yeah. that idea. Because the Gotta writer be like, movie. fully said this is based off of a Christmas movie, I feel like from there that supports, you know, your defense of the film being a Christmas movie. For it to be based off of a wonderful life, which is a movie that everybody knows. And to have the structure of the film, the plot just followed that, you know, not to a T, but it's very similar to it, and for it to be inspired by Wonderful Life, that definitely has me leaning towards, this is a Christmas movie, you know? And I do remember um, No Way Home coming out in December, because I had watched it in January, that following year, and mm -hmm. there have been, like, a lot more blockbusters coming out in November, December, as we know, because, like, 30 movies came out this month. Like, not this month, because it's December. But 30 movies came out in November. And there were, like, so many films. Because, you know, kids are on holiday break. The families are coming together. People want to go see movies now. So the movie theater's going to be full. So. Just that. That also supports your argument. Okay. Christmas tree. Hmm. I mean. Swinging during Christmas. Giving gifts. <laughs> I do have to say. Um. The three Spider-Men, I can accept that as a gift. Of course, like, for me, like, I'm low-key like, okay, fan service, nice, okay. But I accept it regardless. Um, I like what you brought up about Tony, uh, not Tony, not Tom. I'm Hollander. Peter, Peter Parker, okay. Yeah. I like what you brought up about Peter Parker because I do agree, No Way Home has definitely been a very different film from homecoming from far from home because mm -hmm. we don't have the young naive impressionable you know curious wide-eyed um yeah you know, very cute adorable peter parker who's like this young kid in high school who's like fresh and doesn't really understand what it means to be a superhero he just has like these like kind of daydreams about it but it doesn't have like a true understanding of what that responsibility is and in this movie it truly comes to a head when he goes to like an all-powerful wizard who asks him to do something that is a wild request at that like i want you to make people forget that i'm spider-man except a couple of people you're working within the frame of like time and space and like memory and like all these things that bleed into one another and it could cause serious repercussions but he doesn't get that he just wants to be able to hang out with his friends he wants to be able to go to college he's thinking about himself in his own little purview and because as the film goes on he understands that he's part of something bigger he's part of something that's bigger than himself and that truly comes to a head when he loses Aunt May. And it really does have him, you know, examine his power and his place as a superhero. The journey of discovery is something that is oftentimes um, brought up in some holiday movies, but it's more in like... I'm a marketing director from New York and I went to this small town and I fell in love with this carpenter and I'm going to stay here and build like rocking chairs for children because that's my dream 
you know but it's a journey of discovery where you realize that where you were before is not where you were meant to be and there's something else for you there and i do agree with you on that i feel like that does make a christmas movie because christmas films do tend to have like the inspiring message you know something that's supposed to stay with you something's uplifting and although it's told in a very 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 violent way and it's a little you know <laughs> it comes with tom holland punching a psychopath but it's fine it's okay you know tom holland's fighting Willem default it's okay we still get the message at the end of the day that um you know who you are and what other people see doesn't matter it matters what you do you know the life that you live so i'm i'm gonna let you hold that you know we are saying that no way home is a christmas movie it's let's funny. go it's funny you guys <laughs> both picked like the last movies and trilogies for your defense. i know huh something about that book the last movies that it's just all about christmas all of a sudden yeah <laughs> you just gotta wrap it up at the end you know like Wrap it up with a bow. Yeah. Also, there's wishing going on in this movie, and wishing is kind of a Christmas time thing, you know, yes. Christmas wishes. Yes. There are a lot of there's a lot of wishing in this movie as well. Yes. Okay. All right, Miss Force Awakens, <laughs> taking my movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh all right. So, my movie, like Leo said, is Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and the reason why I picked this movie. Is because I love Star Wars, okay? I'm a huge Star Wars fan. If you start asking me very specific questions about Star Wars, though, I will not be able to answer them, okay? I'm a fan, but I'm not, like, a diehard fan, okay? But I remember where I was when the Force Awakens trailer dropped. I was in school, all right? And I didn't have a cell phone back in the day, all right? I didn't get a phone until I was, like, in college, but... When that trailer dropped, listen, on 2015, it was a year before I was going to graduate high school, I got home and I went to our family computer and I put on that trailer and I watched it because I was trying to wait because there were people watching it like in the hallway and there were people watching it in class. I was like, no, I'm going to watch it by myself. I need to experience this. Okay. And I watched it and I was like, this is it this is my time this is my season because i used to love star wars but my family didn't go to movie theaters unless it was for like a christian movie like god's not dead or something like that and i wanted to see star wars and i was so happy because this movie's gonna come out 2015 which means the next one's gonna come out when i'm in college when i'm in college when i have money this is the start of my nerddom because when i start getting money i start getting this car y'all aren't gonna be able to stop me so I was just so excited and so happy. So the reason why The Force Awakens is a Christmas movie to me is truly because around Christmas time, there are these different um, like channels on cable, like TBS, TNT, um, ABC Family, which is now Freeform. They would show marathons of franchise films. Usually it's Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter is a very popular one, or it would be Star Wars. And just about every Christmas or New Year's, it would be either TBS, TNT, sometimes Fox. They would show the original Star Wars trilogy. You know, they're giving us Mark Hamill. They're giving us Carrie Fisher. They're giving us Harrison Ford. And I would watch them. And I would have loved them. And my family didn't understand them and they didn't get it because they didn't get the vision that it was. So 
The Force Awakens was released December 18th, 2015, just around Christmas time. And that was also the first Star Wars movie that was released around Christmas because all the other ones were released around May. J.J. Abrams knew. He said, the holidays is a time for nerds. And I say thank you to J.J. Abrams for that, all right? Because he saw the vision. And I want to think, I, I, I appreciate him for that. Um, to be honest, The Force Awakens doesn't really have like holiday elements like your movies do. They're based in space. Half of the movie takes place on a desert planet. So of course there's no snow. <laughs> but there are some holiday elements as in there are, you know, some mentions of family. There are mentions of discovery, mainly with the introduction of Rey because we're kind of just getting introduced to her as she is um, in the Star Wars uh, sequel. And it was Maz Katana, wait, Maz Kanata, who was played by Lupita Nyong'o. And she had this quote for Rey in her future. And she said, the belonging you seek is not behind you, it is ahead. Basically letting her know the path ahead of you is not what you're leaving behind. And I love that because you see that a lot in Star Wars films where the protagonist the person who's part of the uh, trio they are embarking on this adventure that is something that is so different and new and they're not sure if they're ready for it but you just know that it's going to be so amazing and that's something that i love and also star wars also talks about family that's a huge thing about holiday films family and ben solo aka kylo ren was told by um i think it was tekka it was, and he said, you cannot deny the truth that is your family. And basically, Ben Solo, he's trying so hard to be Kylo Ren, you know, edgy leader of the First Order. And I I just love the movie so much. I mainly think of it as a Christmas movie because of nostalgia, you know, because I have such a deep, profound love for Star Wars movies, and I watched them around Christmas time. And The Force Awakens was my first Star Wars movie that felt like it was mine, because it was a new introduction, introduction to the Star Wars cinematic universe. It was the first one in the sequel. It was setting the president. It was setting the foundation. It was introducing new characters. It was bringing upon new themes and new stories and new adventures. And I was so excited for it and so ready for it. And it felt like this whole new beginning. And I was ready for it. And also, it was the introduction to John Boyega, who we all thought was going to be a Black Jedi, who should have been a Black Jedi, if we're being honest. Because when you watch the movie... And you see Rey and Kylo Ren in the snow. And Rey is down on her back. Who saves the day? It's Finn. It's my boy. He picks up that lightsaber and he said, you know what, girl, I got you. And he takes on Kylo Ren. Does he win? Not exactly. But you know what? He does it anyways. Because even though that is the leader of the Force Order, what he's not going to do is let his friend die in the snow. Okay? There's your holiday element. Snow. But also... The introduction of a new character is something new and fresh and amazing. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's basically what I had to say. If you have questions, go ahead, fire them away. Ask your questions. You know, I'm discovering something on this little show we're doing, and it's delightful. I think what? my conclusion and my takeaway from all of this, context matters. Mm -hmm. um, and people's experiences matter. And I, I've come to find, like, the internet will argue to the death 
over whether, oh, this is Christmas. That's just not Christmas. You're you're stupid. What, why would you think that? No, but it's like, if it means something to you and you watch this film and it makes you feel good on Christmas, I think that's enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the point is right now. Like, I think we're all discovering, like, all of these things mean something to us. And, like, the fact that you used to watch Star Wars during the holiday season on TV, and then you get this brand new movie, comes out in December, and it's, like, sets this whole new, like, like you said, foundation for you. That's incredible. Like, that's awesome. And it means something to you. Like, if that's not Christmas, I don't know what is. I think it's just all about the spirit, (laughs) that wholesome feeling you get, and, like, that happiness the joy that you get because christmas really it's supposed to bring you joy and i think that's what we're getting out of these experiences whether they're traditionally christmas or not mm-hmm. and i want to thank you for your story money that was delightful i really liked hearing it so i just want to say real quick because i was saying something about family and i think i forgot it in the middle but uh, what i wanted to say about family especially in star wars is that um family is not who you're born into is what you find along the way and you know we have the found family with han solo leia and luke skywalker and now we have the family with finn poe and ray and i will also include rose in there because you know what she was introduced in the second one and then she got kind of like sidelined to the third one but i'm gonna include rose in there because she matters too okay and the thing i love most about star wars and the found family is that we're here together you know you're here trying to take down the force order you're here to take down this daunting enemy and you're using something that you're not familiar with the force you are it's just you and your friends and like a couple of wookies and you don't know if you could do it you don't know if you take them on and that doesn't matter if you're not as strong as them you have enough guns as them the fact that you're willing to stand up against them and resist their power and resist their takeover is just enough and the fact that you're doing it together is amazing because that's really what the holidays are about family together togetherness being in one accord with another and you know showing love and hope to another joy that's part of the holidays too and i find that in star wars i find a lot of hope because that's a huge thing in star wars it's like hope is a leading power in the resistance you know of course like leia said that in um the last jedi i think it was or was the third Star Wars movie? I forget the third Star Wars. Rise of Skywalker. She said that in Rise of Skywalker. Or at least the AI-generated hologram of her said that. But you know what? The, the point still stands. The point still stands. Now hold on, though. I gotta ask what? you. <laughs> how does how does Christmas play a central theme to this plot? Uh, in all honesty, <laughs> it kind of doesn't. I mean, really, look. <laughs> I don't even know. No, hold on. No, no. Look, one of your questions to us. <laughs> look, I don't really know. Criteria. We gotta check the notebook. <laughs> I don't even know if they celebrate Christmas in Star Wars. If I'm being real, like. No, you know what? Okay. They celebrate Life Day, but oh. they don't talk about it in the films. But their Christmas Ooh. is uh, Life Day. Okay, got it. So. Well, was there actually a life really day? good Christmas special, the Lego one? It's actually really good. Like it's the good. Lego holiday special, <laughs> it's it's actually awesome. It's so cute. Okay. Love the crossovers, man. It's so good. <laughs> All right, I'll have to check that out. The Lego Star Wars holiday special. Got it. Um, yeah, I mean, just don't do the Chewbacca one. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not the Chewbacca one. 
Noted. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the only holiday elements that are really in The Force Awakens is family, hope, snow. Okay, that's basically it. I don't know. Okay, what... Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you. I mean, like, there's not really like a time or a setting or a calendar in like the Star Wars movies. It's like, we're fighting. We're beefing. That's really like how the movies start, you know? They don't give you like a set time. Ah, I don't know. But yeah. You know, I'll say one thing is like, I love that that final act in the snow. It's just, yes. it makes that scene in the forest so beautiful. Yes. And I so feel good. like that's. That's what No Way Home was missing because I feel mm -hmm. like I would have been more on board with No Way Home if like that final act was set in the snow or something like that. Like like that fight on the Statue of Liberty, if it was like snowing or something, that would have been like a little bit more, a little bit more epic. I do want to say in terms of like superhero fight scenes, I wish they wouldn't do it in CGI. I want more fight scenes where I see the people fighting. I want practical fight scenes. I want I want you to give me Jessica Jones. I want you to give me Daredevil. I want you to give me like I punch this person in the face and I can feel it. I wanna see like real life like two people just going at it. It can be the stunt people, that's fine. But like when we're doing like, you know, the CGI thing where they're like on the Statue of Liberty and like one person's doing this, one person's doing that, it kind of like I'm watching it, I'm like, this is a movie. I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief here. Like, especially with like Black Panther, I feel like that's when I noticed it the most. And I was like, oh, y'all could have just been fighting up there with everybody else. I mean, we really didn't right. have to go down to the trains. Y'all could have been doing it in front of everybody else like you did on the cliffs. I mean, do it three times. That's what, like, that's like my only issue with Shang-Chi is like, it was like, okay, him and his dad having this like hand-to-hand -hand combat to the death. You know, of course they're using the rings and such, but it still was so emotional. And there was so much physical presence in that fight. And then we, we, we have a big dragon yeah. burst from under the water. And I was like, oh, God, okay, well, they, they pulled the rug from under us on that one. Because yeah. I was like, is this a Marvel movie where we're having, like, an, a hand-to-hand -hand as the last battle? Nope. Nope. Sight. <laughs> Sight. Yeah. Great movie, though. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I actually haven't seen Shang-Chi. I have you haven't seen Chang Chi? Oh, you gotta check that one out. Really good. That was good. It's really good. It's in my top ten. I'll have to put it on my list. I'm not gonna lie. The reason why I didn't watch it was because like Aquafina was in it, and at the time I was like, she's getting on my nerves. But I did watch the farewell recently, and I was like, you know what? When she talks the way that she normally talks, it's okay. So maybe I'll give it a chance. Oh, she said, drop the black scent, ma'am. Uh <laughs> Please just speak in your normal voice, girl. Like, nobody believes you, okay? <laughs> I was going to say, um, she tones it down in Shang-Chi. Mm -hmm. It's here and there, but she's not as bad in that. Okay. So. I mean, I figured because, like, she has to be, like, the funny psychic character. I figured that, like, it's a little bit present there. It's not as much as it was in, like, Ocean's eight probably but... yeah no and also like um there's a couple dramatic moments she does pretty decently that like no one really remembers but mm -hmm. um i i thought i thought her and shang chi like had a couple good moments together and she was playing mm -hmm. it serious she wasn't being like a goopball mm -hmm. yeah her and simu were really good together yeah. really good i mean I, I don't doubt that she's a great actress you know it's just like 
sometimes it's just like the, that little thing that like gets on my nerves like you know Gina Rodriguez I think she's a phenomenal actress it's just like maybe if you didn't say you know Negroes give me heebie-jeebies on Instagram stories we would watch more of your movies <laughs> you dropped that one yeah that was the deep cut because that's why I can't stand Gina either and then she was up on that little yeti <laughs> What was that that Yeti movie they did with LeBron James voicing a Yeti and all the uh, Dara Shahidi was one of the voices, and there was a, a a journalist who had asked her question like, "How do you feel, you know, inspiring young girls, especially young black girls?" And she oh, like yeah. corrected him middle oh, of the yeah. interview. She's like, "Young girls, young yes. girls," and I was like, "He was like, no, I mean young no. black girls, because that's said. what I'm trying to talk about." Uh -huh. And she was like pressing him about that. I'm like, oh. Let let us have some time, Gina. Yeah. <laughs> Her and uh, Zachary Levi were in that, that side information. <laughs> oh yeah, you didn't know. You guys spilled some tea for me. That's that's uh that's crazy. Yeah, um, her and Zachary Levi were in the new Spy Kids movie, and I was like, Oh he no, just got the worst parents no. we could have gotten, huh? <laughs> Throw it away. <laughs> no, Zachary Levi as the dad. Uh uh, sorry, sorry, man. Especially because, like, Zachary Levi, all the, a lot of stories like, come out that he's kind of, like, a Joe Rogan kind of dude, like, not believing in vaccines, very much conservative, and also, like, has some random beef with The Rock because The Rock didn't want to do, like, an end credit scene for Shazam 2, even though, like, even if he did an end credit scene, no one wants to see that movie anyway, sir, it was bad, all right? I got, like, 40 minutes into it, and I was like, I'm done, okay? They put what? Demon like Hudsu in a uh like they CGI his face over a Wonder Woman body as a way to give Shazam a message. Oh, you're talking about like, Shazam. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. I'm actually I'm actually I don't need to see the rest of this movie. As much as I love Rachel Zellweger and Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu, that's not enough for me. Well Rachel Zagler's a, a up and comer, but at least I was like, listen you get Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu, I'm automatically interested. How do you yeah. have them in the movie and it's still bad? Right. Like, I'm just like, all right, well. <laughs> I mean. Hey, that uh, Taste the Rainbow line still had me in stitches, though. That was, like, the best part of the movie. <laughs> when she fed the unicorn. Oh. I was like, yes. Don't. Don't remember that, but okay. Yeah. What were we talking about? Force Awakens, right? Yeah. Okay. What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way. Oh, you know what I loved when you're listing off, like, your new family? Hey, Ohana, so don't forget anybody. We got to remember, it's not yeah. just Pin and, uh, Pin. Pin and Ray and Poe. We also got uh, Babu Freak. Uh, uh. <laughs> there we go. We can't forget Maz and Zor. You know, we got to oh. include everybody, you know. <laughs> it's so funny that you said Padam when you met <laughs> family. Amelia, I thought, oh yeah, the Hunger Games is seeping in there. It's getting in there, you know? Oh yeah, and Jana, We can't forget about Jana, right. uh, Londo's long-lost daughter. That oh, they yeah. never, like, they never established in the film, which would have been never, awesome. Never like, if they actually, like, made nothing. it a thing. It's like, just just take that extra step, guys. Take the extra... extra they just, step. like, hinted at it. See, what happened was... J.J. Abrams realized that <laughs> Rose was in the second movie, The Last Jedi. And because all these fans had, like, such, like, you know, beef with Rose Psycho, um, he was like, okay, I'm going to sideline Rose. However, we still need a woman of color, so let me find some. 
And then we have Lando's long lost daughter, who is a. What does she do? She's like an ex stormtrooper leading like a a rebellion of ex stormtroopers. Oh. She's basically fan. Like she's kind of like the Finn ideal character. Oh. Yeah, and like you know, I actually thought that was kind of cool. Like, and then I just wish they went all the way with it because I think they all yeah. felt like they were all maybe force sensitive. And they didn't. They didn't like use that. Like that would have yeah. been cool. If that you know, having a, ba- a band of like possible Jedi ex stormtroopers like, going against like that would have been cool. But they didn't. They didn't right. dive into that. So. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like she just kind of came and went. Like that's what a lot of characters did in this trilogy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, I was gonna say that's why I hated Rise so much. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like Rise had so much potential, and they just kind of didn't do anything with it. Yeah, so. that's true. Yeah. I mean, I feel like. The one thing about Rise of Skywalker is that they try to, like, right Ryan's wrongs. And I feel like they probably should have just kind of, like, just went along with what he had presented to them. You know? Right. Or you could have just kept J.J. Abrams on the project, to be perfectly honest. As much as Ryan Johnson is That's a, crazy. Ryan Johnson is a really good writer. I'll give him that. I feel like The Last Jedi maybe did, like, sully his legacy. But, like, we could have just not let him write the film. Just well, and luckily him. for him, he's got um, the Knives uh, Out, yeah. Glass Onion. Like he's, I think he's good now. But yeah, yeah. like very temporarily there, I was like, I'm worried for Mr. Johnson. Uh, he gonna get more work. Yeah. But he's been busy with those, you know, those Knives Out. Jamani's point about the film, it's like it felt like it was in conflict with the previous film. It was, and yeah. that's awful. Like you don't want to feel that as an audience member. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like J.J. Abrams was having an on-screen battle with Ryan Johnson. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. this is not a good experience. Like, no. they're not meshing. So, no. Also, I feel like J.J. tried a little too hard to rectify the fact that, like, Ray is, like, just an orphan. Then, like, bringing in, um, what's that guy's name? I don't Palpatine? Say- Palpatine. I was about to say pantomime. I was like, wait a minute. That's oh. not it. <laughs> Like when literally, I hated that. When Paul was like, hated. Somehow, some way, Palpatine is alive, and I was like, Palpatine's Man. back. <laughs> Palpatine is alive. I was like, <laughs> the way he. I Thank cannot you. believe that was their way to somehow. To write you know, me and Leo, me and Leo have talked about this a lot. Yeah. Somehow. Some way. Somehow, Palpatine. That is such lazy writing. I swear. Yeah. Well, I think for me, whenever I watch The Rise of Skywalker, I just some I, I picture this weird vision of like Kathleen Kennedy behind JJ, like we've gotta we've gotta clean up everything that Ryan wrote. We gotta clean it all up. Like I just I, I envision that room, and it, I, I just could yeah, see a lot of be studio like, interference for cross sure. Cross the soft, cross the soft. Nope, nope. nope. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, no, yeah, less no, rose, like. Rose was in the movie for two seconds. Literally. She's like, I'll stay here, guys. Bye. Yeah. Ray like, has she a stayed on the beach. She was like, I'll see you guys. I was totally a part of the last adventure, but bye. And remember, you were talking about Imani found family, but yeah. all of a sudden, oh, Ray's a Palpatine. Psych. She's not. She's not the nobody we told you guys she was. She's yeah. she's someone in this galaxy. I was just like, okay, we're, I hated we're that gearing reveal. off here. I feel like her being a nobody would fit better because it was very clear that J.J. Abrams was trying to like like push not push but like bring up this idea of being the jedi doesn't have to be as exclusive or as special as i made it seem in the first film you know Mm -hmm. we could all have the chance to rise up against the first order 
but not everybody gets that chance. And for Finn, who was first a stormtrooper, and then he's able to wield the lightsaber, it brings up this new idea and this fresh idea that isn't explored yet in the Star Wars, you know, movies. But unfortunately, it's, I feel like it really does suck. And it really is unfortunate that that storyline was ever truly explored. And they really didn't take the time to like, take his character and create it into something fresh and new and give him something that was like not seen before in the films and although i love rose and i know that some people feel like she drew finn away from like the trio i mean we don't really always have to stick with the trio i mean we could just have a group it can be four top it could be four four. and i don't know why it has to be locked into just the two the three i mean it's like bring in another character and make her she was like a pillar, kind of like of, of, of the Last Jedi. She was a pillar character. Yeah, make, I think make how, her a pillar. Like how reactionary Lucasfilm and Disney was to the Last Jedi just shows like what not to do in franchise storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was so reactionary to the response and to Rose, and it's like that's just not fair to the actress, no. the character, the story, like the fans. Just nope. stick to your guns, you know. Yeah. Like they just tried to rework everything and. You can't do that in the middle of a franchise. I think one thing that um, franchises or like corporations should learn from Star Wars is that when you are creating a trilogy, you need to know where the story is going. You need to know the character's motivations. You didn't know how it ends. You didn't know like how we're going to handle certain um, um, you know situations. And you need to have the right people to carry this story along. And if they have fresh new ideas, let's explore that. Let's not stifle it. And let's really like see what we can create here. And I know that Taika Waititi, he's supposed to like write and direct a Star Wars film in the future. So that would be interesting. But I also feel like that's just like something that they announce and it's like, okay, we'll see if that happens. You know? Yeah, with how quickly they snatched that movie out of the hands of the uh, <laughs> D&D who wrote Game of Thrones. I was like, I don't know about Taika. <laughs> I don't know about that. I feel like Taika, I mean, it's more likely that he will write a Star Wars film because... Love and Thunder, I feel like, is, like, the one flop that he has, if we're being honest. Every other thing he's ever made is generally, like, a hit. You know, like, what we do in the shadows, the film, and then the TV series. Next Goal Wins, Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, Reservation Dogs, you know, uh, obviously Thor Ragnarok. Like, just about every single film and television show he's been making has been a critic hit. So, Star Wars... And also... um... People forget he did the finale of season one. Like the last episode of Mandalorian, he directed that episode. Oh. Yep. The one where he was IG eleven. So it's like he he can do Star Wars. Like yeah. I that episode's great. Yeah. After that the uh, Love and Thunder reaction though, and how reactionary Lucas film can be. I... Well, of course. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's just terrible like studio decisions, but mm-hmm. we can't make Lucas film do the right thing, so unfortunately not. We can't. No. Okay. So, Force Awakens. Is it a Christmas movie? (laughs) No, because they don't have a green and a red lightsaber at the end. Listen, there's red! (laughs) There's a lot of red in that movie. Lots of red. Yeah. Um, Um, you know what? I think I could call it a Christmas movie yeah. it, for the simple fact that like Star Wars for the longest time was 
starting before it's awakened was that Christmas movie type of deal. It's like, okay, we're getting a new Star Wars movie every other Christmas. Like that was like the preparation. And that's why they brought it back that way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the same way I said the three Spider-Man are the gift, mm -hmm. bringing Star Wars back as a franchise was a gift. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. I feel like I just wish it was a gift that kept giving, but you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> Loretta? And also, just to like illustrate my point earlier, like I think if it means something to you during this time of year, mm -hmm. you know, anything could be a Christmas movie. And I think that's what matters. Like if it brings you joy during the holiday season and that's what you're watching and it's not Home Alone, shoot, that's your Christmas movie. Like yeah. that's, if go. it means something to like if it means something to someone else, to you or what, you know, and it's your thing, more power to that. Mm -hmm. It does make me a little sad that like now there will be people that will like revisit Star Wars and they won't be able to watch the sequel and it'd be like a coherent story. It's just going to be like, okay, first one started off really good, really great. Second one, oh, a little different. Okay, third one. Hmm. Don't know <laughs> what happened there. Hmm. But... That's the perfect reaction. Just like... Hmm. Such a good reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect. <laughs> it's like, huh. Okay. All right. Oh, Carrie Fisher died. Oh, that's so sad. Who's Palpatine? Why is it he in he in this? Who's that girl? Why are they all just standing on the ship? Why is no one fighting? What's happening? Braggity. Braggity. <laughs> Why is no one fighting? They're all just kind of watching things happen. I'm confused. Where's Rose? Wait. Just leaning back. Where's Rose? What's happening? Is Ray okay? Also, I do want to say Ryan Johnson. As much as I love Knives Out, I will never forgive you for allowing Raylo to run wild on the internet. Okay? Well, hold on. That one ran. Well, no. he kind of did open that up Sir, <laughs> in Last Jedi. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let you live live this down. You are the or originator of Raylo. Because JJ Abrams just like kind of presented these two as enemies. And you <sighs> Going to make it something else the lucasfilm saw oh people are into this people like it. yeah no because ryan gave us shirtless kylo yeah! and then she was like oh she was like what are you doing here in my mind <laughs> right right she was kind of like <laughs> oh has like no shirt he's like he's like i was just uh thinking oh about god. you <laughs> like, oh my god oh like, my what is gosh. happening I, I thought they were siblings for a minute and I was like, okay, that would line up. I, and then they did all that. Well, and then they kissed. Like, cause I was like, well, maybe they still are like related or whatever. Maybe, maybe they're doing the, the original trilogy thing again. Nah, man. No. They a thing, y'all. They an item. Yeah. Okay, I was say, I, I'm not team Raylo. I was team Finn, man. I, I thought they were cute. I, I was, was team like, Finn Poe. I feel like they introduced too many. Oh yeah, Finn and Poe. Oh, yeah. yeah, both. Hey, Finn could have both. That'd have been a uh, that'd both. have been a progressive arc for Star Wars. <laughs> both. It's like shit. It could be a love triangle with Finn in the middle. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's like the greatest love triangle of all time. <laughs> Finn, like I got all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Finn just like what? <laughs> I mean, could we give the man a lightsaber through the whole trilogy? <laughs> Please. Please. They oh let this guy goodness. fight like once. 
And I was like, okay, that's enough. You know what I'll never understand is like the posters, guys. Like the poster of him. Uh, Force Awakens. He's the only one with the lightsaber like, other than Ray. Like, like, why would you do that mm. if you're not going to make him a Jedi? Mm. <laughs> He's like holding a lightsaber and then Kylo's got one and Ray's yeah. got her staff. And I'm like, okay. So... Like, we've got this black Jedi dude. Like, I'm it here. looks like Finn. It looks like Finn's supposed to be the Jedi. Yeah. Like, yeah, they sold that to us hella wrong. Mm -hmm. And then the the weird little fandom talking about, ooh, he's probably related to Mace Windu, right? I was like, y'all, come on now. It is space. Space so many bigger people. than here. So many people. <laughs> come We're on. gonna run into it's who you gonna what y'all gonna say now? Oh, Lando's his uncle. Oh like God. I'm just like, damn man. Please. And that's that's just as bad as the whole um high evolutionary is a Kang variant. I was like, okay, like we getting no, oh. every black person ain't related to each other in these universes. Please. <laughs> Please be original. Yeah, this yeah. Put, the internet is problematic. Let's put our like one thousand percent. y'all are stressing me out. The fandom, not you guys. <laughs> The fandom, I swear. Yes. No, hey, seriously, the fandom has issues. And and it's not just Star yeah. Wars. Every fandom has some serious oh. issues. So listen, I've been on Tumblr since like I was thirteen years old, so I've seen it all. Okay. Especially the Raylo stuff. The Raylo stuff is worse on there. It was so annoying. Also, they made Poe a drug dealer in the last movie. Yes. <laughs> like He ran spice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is essentially like like Scarface. He was like selling slanging coke. Yeah. <laughs> like... And then they Crazy. made um Carrie Russell his like love interest to like, you know, kill the Finn and Poe dynamic. Which it's don't like that. I don't like that. And then the third movie we have like um Lando's niece? Is that who she is? And then Ray, his daughter, his daughter, and then Ray, and then Rose as like love interest for Finn. It's like, what's happening here? Why, why are there so many things going on? You guys have all so much just, time in this movie, and yet they had no direction. <laughs> they were just throwing stuff on the wall, to see what sticks. It's like, let's just see what people like, and then we'll just hope that it works out. Let's... That's what it feels like. Like they, they might like this. Yeah. Here. They might like this well, one. Well, let's just try and Bye. break even. I don't know what to do. All right. <laughs> For real. Let's just try to make the money back. Please. Let's just let's do it. <laughs> JJ's like, listen, I just need Disney to be happy with me. Okay. Just got to make it work. You got to get the You know, can I say one thing positive about Rise, though? Go ahead. It had a hell of a trailer, didn't it? Hell of a trailer. <laughs> that trailer was so damn good. The I was Remember like, they this had that Palpatine laugh Star Wars the... movie ever. Oh my gosh. Remember they had the Palpatine laugh like, at the end and it was like, oh my God, like. That trailer had me hyped with the music mm. and oh, it was like the slow version of the theme. Like, oh, so... oh that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Ray's theme is similar to Harry Potter's theme. Very similar. And the Harry Potter theme, a lot of people do associate Harry Potter with Christmas as well. That was also something I was going to bring up, but I yeah. forgot. I forgot. Especially the first one. Especially the first, first three one. of them. Yeah, like I would say the first like 
two or three, like people are like, yeah, that's like a Christmas staple. And the first Harry Potter, hell yeah, it is. Hell Happy yes. Christmas, Harry. Happy Christmas, Happy Christmas Ron. Ron. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that was the first time in my life I was like, yo, does the UK say Happy Christmas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, hmm. That is different over there. Okay. Happy Christmas. Happy. <laughs> I think I got it wrong, but okay. Oh, I feel like Merry flows better, right? Yeah. Merry. Oh. Merry Christmas. Or maybe it's because we're just so used to Merry Christmas that like it's normal to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can you imagine saying Merry Birthday? Nope. No. <laughs> no. Merry Halloween. Uh uh. <laughs> no. You know, like it just, it just doesn't flow the same way. Mm, it doesn't work. Okay. So weird. So, A Force Awakens. Christmas movie. Yes? Yes? Absolutely. Okay. I get it. If, if, if that's what it means to you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Loretta, that is. Not so... long being like, well, I don't know about me, but. I'll take it. I no, well, I was going to say, because, like, no, oh. earlier I was like, on No Way Home, I was like, mm. yeah, yeah, I saw you, man. Yeah. Thank you, like, man. I was like, you like, nah, you got the I'm one like, Christmas tree at the end of the movie. That was it. Yeah. Let me sell this up to you right quick. Mm. <laughs> hey, we get my hey, you sold case your case. Out. You sold your case pretty well, but we got one Christmas tree in that thing. Yeah. We got one Christmas tree, but more meaning of Christmas in that movie than Iron Man three. Sorry. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Mic drop. Mic drop. Wow. Mic drop. The beef. The beef, guys. You know what? I actually <laughs> was almost not going to pick Star Wars because even though like it does mean something to me, I was actually going to pick a musical because a lot of the time during Christmas, musicals are released and it's so funny that you're like literally wearing the shirt. I was going to pick Tick, Tick, Boom as a Christmas movie. Oh, stop. Yeah. I was... Because <laughs> it does take place during Christmas, I think. It does? Yeah. So that would have been a good pick. Um... Yeah. Yeah, there's a section of the film. It's like winter. Yes. I mean, I feel like musical. You're trying to take it back? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. No, like, yeah, it, it, it kind of goes through like a, a portion of his life. So it's yes. not just like one month, you know? Like, I mean, so there's Mr. no Iron, Iron Man 3. So what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> oh, like no, I'm not saying it's not. Movies? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I feel like. <laughs> musicals do fit more into like christmas because they're like uplifting and there's obviously music and like there usually is like a well christmas if i had brought song. mean girls y'all would have said sure that's a christmas movie uh, no i didn't think so I mean, if that's what it means to you so low are you saying <laughs> force awakens is not yeah what are you saying low I, I just I don't feel the Christmas spirit, okay. but but Monty does. So I, who am I to say she's wrong? Hmm. But hold on, wait. Let me ask you, bro. Where were where were you when The Force Awakens came out? <laughs> In the movie theater on December fifteenth of two thousand fifteen. Correct. It was December eighteenth. What time of the okay. year was it? <laughs> like, how did you feel? How did you feel as a Star Wars super fan? How did you feel about no, Star it's Wars? No, like, okay, it's kind of like your point. Yeah, it was a gift. It was like, wow, Star Wars is back. I, I'm happy. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess it brought me joy in that manner, but I I, I didn't associate it with Christmas. Mm. You're not watching Force Awakens this Christmas? I, I, to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about it, but um, huh? um, was I supposed <laughs> to? <laughs> you don't be watching was Force Awakens? Was I supposed to? Wow. That's like a Christmas know, staple like... right there. Okay. Yeah. You don't be you watching know, Force Awakens like at December? What was that? You don't watch Force Awakens in December? I'm gonna be well, honest. I haven't watched. I haven't rewatched the sequel trilogy in some time. Uh, I'll be honest. Well, that's, that's understandable. Mm. Yeah, I get that. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I like the Last Jedi more before Rise of Skywalker came out because I was willing mm, to defend yeah. it. I was willing to be like, you know what? We're going in a new direction. That's fine. That's okay. Let's just see where it goes. Yeah. Like, Rise of Skywalker came out, and I was like, you know what? Screw it. Never mind. You know I, what? That's actually what it was. I was rewatching Force Awakens and Last Jedi a lot before Rise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after Rise, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just watch other movies for now. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's like, separated me from the whole experience. Yeah. So. yeah. It does. Which yeah, sucks. What a rough... It does suck. I feel like the thing that sucks for me the most is that I was such a huge Carrie Fisher fan because I'm a very, like, quiet and reserved person and Carrie Fisher is none of the was none of those things she was very much like outspoken and very strong and amazing and great and talented and I was a huge fan of hers and it genuinely pissed me off that her last movie was the rise of Skywalker I was sitting here like listen do whatever you want with this movie don't you dare tarnish Miss Fisher's legacy okay J.J. Abrams, I'm speaking to you directly right now. If you make this movie that is the last film in Carrie Washington's filmography, and you make it a pile of garbage, the garbage will not do. Alright? I'm telling you right now, when I see you in Atlanta, it's on site. Okay? <laughs> of course on I'm joking. Sight. Watch out, J.J. <laughs> <laughs> in case anyone from Disney is listening, I'm joking, of course, but you know. Money's coming for you, JJ. <laughs> it was only because at that time he had a project announced with like Jordan Peele and they were gonna be filming in Atlanta and I was like I would like jokingly say in my old podcast episodes, if I see JJ in these streets, I'm I'm gonna get him. But I think the project was shelved later down the line, so it doesn't even matter anymore. I was only kidding, JJ. I was only joking, you know. It was just a joke. It was just, you know, ha ha ha. You know how we kid on the internet. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Hello, walking it back. I didn't mean it. <laughs> Listen, I'm just playing. Oh, okay, please. Don't start Disney after me, all right? Uh, JJ's like, hey, uh, Disney. No, no. <laughs> there's this podcaster uh, making threats uh, to my life. There's some lady threatening me on the internet over something you forced me to do, so you need to take care of this. <laughs> This is not my problem. You call me in here to fix this. I'm not <laughs> dealing with these crazy people on the internet anymore, okay? Tell them to leave me alone. Yes. Alright, so The Force Awakens is a Christmas movie. Stamp of approval. Done. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Guys, if you disagree with this, honestly, you could just tell your mama, because we don't care. Alright? We made our points. <laughs> <laughs> <Listen>. Okay. 
Look, Iron Man. Also, we all pick movies that are part of franchises. I know. That was so unintentional. Yeah. You know, I, what's funny, I was going to pick the nice guys, but I figured Iron Man 3 would be more fun to talk about. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the nice guys, is that a Christmas movie? Is it? Wait, did you say it's not? Is it? It's set during Christmas. Shane Black, like like I said, oh. Shane Black literally writes all of his movies to be set in Christmas. Really? Yeah, I even think, I yeah. think The Predator is Wait. too. Like The Predator is also set during that time. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. It's like, it's like a weird thing. Like that's his thing. Like all of his scripts are mm-hmm. set during Christmas. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, yeah, going back to like the first Lethal Weapon back in like '87. Yeah, that Lethal Weapon, baby. That's a Christmas movie right there. You know what? That's <laughs> actually pretty smart because studios are so basic when they're thinking about releasing films. It's like, oh well, I mean, the set in Christmas, so we should just release it during Christmas time, right? Like the one time where everybody's going to the movies. So that's actually really smart of him to do that. Okay, thinking outside the box. All right, we see it. Think, work, work smarter, not harder. All right, good for Shane Black. Yes. <laughs> salute to Shane Black. Salute, salute. Having Christmas spirit. Yeah. No matter what, what movie it is. All throughout the year, spraying the Christmas joy. We love to see it. I mean, I feel like it would be fun to film a movie and then pretend it's like Christmas time when you're filming. You know, hot cocoa, the Santa, and like the decorations and like the Christmas tree. That would be fun. I like that. Okay, so Iron Man 3, Christmas movie. Spider-Man, Far From Home, Christmas movie. And then The Force Awakens, a Christmas movie. Y'all can go ahead, add those movies to your Christmas movie marathon list with your family. Alright? Because we have just spent close to two hours defending these films. And why they're Christmas movies. Why, in our heart of hearts, we believe it. Okay, we brought the facts. We brought our defenses, all right? We brought it all to the table, all right? It's been laid out before you. The case has been made. And you are not the judge nor the jury. You are simply, you know, the spectators. We're the judge and the jury. We made our points. We put the stamp of approval on it. It's done. It has been said. You can't change it. It's rested in perpetuity. It's done. There we go. All right. And with that... We conclude our podcast. We can just end it off with some recommendations. If there's anything that you guys have been watching, anything that's coming up that you guys are excited about, you can go ahead and, you know, tell the listeners about it. Um, If there's anything you guys have seen recently or anything you're anticipating, anything new, anything old at all. Um, I would say Better Watch Out is a very pleasant surprise in terms of horror Christmas. Um, Silent Night was good, but not a fun-filled action extravaganza I was expecting. As long as you know that going in, it's an enjoyable film. Um, it's well-made, and I like the concept. It's just a little bit of a downer. Yeah. That always sucks is when a movie has a really good concept, like a really good idea behind it, but the way it is like made is kind of like, oh, sucks. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's not, it's not in John Woo's nature to be this way, but yeah. I think his concept would have, would have worked better if it was more tongue in cheek, more campy, but he really leaned really heavy into the melodrama, which that's kind of his thing anyway. So, oh yeah, 
I'm gonna be honest. The only reason why I knew that movie was coming out is because Kid Cudi is in it, and I'm a really Kid, big Kid Cudi fan. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's gonna be in another movie. This is exciting!" And I'm always just happy when he's in a good movie, you know, like X or like Intergalactic. I like that movie, but now this film, I'm like, okay, you know, what? I can enjoy it for what it is, you know. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a solid film for what it is, but mm-hmm. just I think. He could have marketed it differently too. It's like they market it as a lot more fun than it is. Oh. Hmm. That sucks. But I'll be watching it regardless. Okay. Um, Leo, are there any recommendations that you have for us? So in terms of recommendations, I just watched Maestro, uh, starring Brad Pitt and Carrie Mulligan. Really good film. Um Carrie is phenomenal. Um You mean Bradley Cooper? Cooper? <laughs> Bradley Cooper, I'm so sorry. What did I say? Brad... <laughs> you said Brad Pitt. No, Bradley Cooper. I'm sorry. Bradley oh. Cooper and Gary Mulligan. Phenomenal together. It's not that hey, Not all white guys. Are <laughs> you, you over there cutting up like I said. Sterling K. Brown. Well, damn. Um, but anyway, uh, Bradley too. Cooper. Bradley Cooper is really good, but Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan just steals the show a lot of the time. She's like excellent absolutely a best actress lineup mm-hmm. i don't know if she might win she may even win it i don't know but we'll see uh also just watched are you there god it's me margaret love it really good coming of age film uh, it's got rachel mcadams in it too and uh one of the safety brothers was in it that was a cool surprise i he's been doing a lot of acting lately i think he was in oppenheimer too he's been really getting on screen a lot lately so really good little coming of age film but what I like about this movie is like it does not shy away from maturity. Mm-hmm. So it really hits those punches pretty heavy when it comes to um female maturity and I was like I thought that was cool because it was very transparent about that that happening. So I I liked it. Um really really good movie. Uh let's see what what oh Godzilla minus 1. You got to watch it. Listen, I understand too if you haven't watched the other Godzilla movies that's not an issue. It is very welcoming to newcomers. The story and the characters are actually super good in this Godzilla movie. And the visuals, spectacular. I mean, Godzilla, this is God's classic 1954 Godzilla with a little bit of Shin Godzilla. And so he has this kind of muckier look where he's kind of monstrous and gross, but still looks like Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Enjoyable characters. Really good thematic messages, by the way, of like anti-war and living in life. I really like the messaging, especially because they're just coming off of a war in the film. Like it takes place right after World War II. So very, very good movie. Um, And like there's some bleak and dark stuff going on, but with a really with a heart of gold at the center of it. So really, really good Godzilla movie. Maybe the best on screen adaption in years i know the monsterverse movies were fun but this is at least feels like a movie <laughs> like they're at least trying to write a story here write good characters here they're trying to keep you entertained when godzilla's not on the screen as well so very very well done okay i have seen a trailer for godzilla minus one um but i had only seen the trailer like once so it did kind of like escape my mind but I am glad that you did bring that up because I am excited to watch it. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. That's that's a cool poster. 
so good. That is so dope. Um, I... He's so mean. <laughs> He's mad. He's real mad. That's like Monster Godzilla. That's that's oh, yeah. not the Godzilla who's coming in to help defend the city from King Ghidorah. Like, no, no. that's the I'm tearing stuff up. Yeah. Godzilla. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I actually have been meaning to watch uh, Are You There Yet? Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, because I loved the book when I was younger. I loved Judy Bloom books. Like, that was a staple of my childhood. So the fact that the movie came out is so refreshing. And I also love that you said that, like, the there's a lot of maturity in the film because i do remember judy bloom books not shying away from like certain things that you wouldn't really talk about within the judy bloom audience you know and i feel like that has been kind of a lot more normalized especially with shows like sex education where they are speaking more openly about things that like young people go through in a way where it's like you're not talking down to them you're just kind of like talking to them and relating to them about these things that way there can be like an open conversation so i i'm glad that that movie kept those things in there especially from the judy bloom books because they're something that i loved when i was a kid and i'm excited for it um and maestro isn't that coming out pretty soon on, that's going out pretty soon on netflix right yeah it's dropping on netflix in like a couple of weeks mm -hmm. yeah so be on the lookout for that one it was really really good um i just think i will say i think bradley cooper gets outacted by uh carrie mulligan like she is acting her ass off and there's a couple scenes where i'm like sorry bradley you're not keeping up wow uh i mean i'm not gonna deny carrie mulligan is a phenomenal actress i feel like oftentimes underrated in a way um i do oh yeah i just like when you brought up that she may take the best actress in my head, I'm like, I mean, she's a good actress and she does deserve it. But I also feel like, I don't know. Oh, there's plenty of other names this year. Emma Stone. Yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie's still in the conversation. I wouldn't oh, call absolutely. her a lot yet. Lily Gladstone yeah. from um, Killers of Flower Moon. Yeah. I mean, there's a line. So I'm like, she might, might, but there's a line this year. I feel like uh, either... Lily Gladstone, I feel like that's a number one pick for um, possibly the best actress. Or Sandra Huller from Autonomy of a Fall. I think that's another one. Yeah, they're in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, but the I think, number, I think the Lily top is the three... frontrunner for sure. Mm -mm. So, okay, the NYCC, they're, the those critic awards and the I think the Gothic Awards both gave her the actress. So she's got a little bit there, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's going to take the win. I think the front runner right now is actually Emma Stone. Really? Her poor things. Yeah. I think a lot of critics are like pushing her in the forefront, but we'll see. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy to be wrong. I'd be so happy for her if she didn't win already. Right. And I'm oh, like, you yeah. know, I want she, she won already. It's like, Oh, I kind of wish they'd, they'd award someone else, but she's great though. I need Fantasia and Greta Lee to make this lineup. Like, oh I'm just my like, dude, gosh. Dude. Greta Lee deserves. She is such a great actress. She's yeah. been underrated for so long. And for her to get a leading role in such an amazing film, she definitely deserves it. It's bad it came out so early that the Academy just gonna overlook it, unfortunately. She stole my whole ass heart. I was engaged the whole film. Yeah. Also, Ava yep. um, DuVernay's film Origin was a film that released earlier this year that I feel like 
is in talks with like Academy and like the awards and stuff, but it wasn't. I'm not sure if it's been released in theaters yet. That's the thing. No, not yet. Um, and it's kind of it's like the push is not like hard enough. Like there's so I definitely think Anjanu Ellis uh-huh. um and uh Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. should be nominated for that. Um but admittedly I do have to um watch that film. Yeah. So I can't write, but I'm like I just think for the what the critics have been saying and the push, I think they should get something, but we'll see. Probably not. It's hard to get um, films that are not in theaters into the awards conversation because if people haven't seen it, it's like, well, how do I know right. it's good? Luckily, theater goers ain't the ones voting, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. Okay, my recommendations. Let's see. What have I been watching recently? I actually just finished Hacks on HBO. It's a show about this uh, female comedian. She's been having the residency in Las Vegas for a while. And she hires this young TV writer to work alongside her to make some new jokes. And it's such a funny show. And it's kind of wholesome, but also like really raunchy in the comedy. It's been one of my favorites. And it's a top pick on Max right now. So I highly recommend if you guys have HBO to go check out, watch it. It's really good. And I have loved it dearly. And I started re-watching Southside as well. But that's what I've been watching. Um, I've been watching a number of movies recently, so. I mean, that's basically, yeah. But those are our recommendations, guys. Um, I want to thank Leo and Loretta for being on the pod. Go check them out. Geekly Roundup, Geekly Goods. All your links will be in the description down below, guys. They stream every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we'll see you guys next week with another episode. Say goodbye, guys. See ya. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. You guys have a good one. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.